Pastor Allen, welcome. Happy Easter. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Absolutely. I'm glad that you're here. Uh, good Sunday to come because we're starting a new series. What we usually do is talk about a certain topic for a few weeks. And so we're starting a new topic called The End Commandments. Uh, starting today, titles today's teaching is Unhitched, and that'll make more sense in a few minutes, hopefully. Um, as a pastor, I am fascinated or interested in probably things that you folks aren't necessarily interested in. Uh, it's just part of the, the nature of the beast. Anyway, one thing that really fascinates me is people who once upon a time were Jesus followers and then decided to stop being Jesus followers. The reason that's fascinating to me because I believe being a Jesus follower makes life better, makes you better at life, so why would anybody want less than better? So it's fascinating to me. And when I talk to people or know people that, you know, went to church as a kid and then gave it up and so forth, everybody has a reason, uh, but I've never heard a good reason. <laughs> All the reasons seem to be bad reasons. And I'm going to give you a few general examples uh, as we start off here this morning. Uh, one reason, let me sit down here for this. <laughs> one reason is because you've met some really weird Christian. And I admit there's a bunch of weird ones out there, uh, maybe even in here, okay? <laughs> but uh, um, let me think about it this way. If you went to your barber and your barber was just weird or your hairdresser or stylist and they were weird, would you stop going? You would find somebody else to go to, right? You would, you'd still get your hair cut. You'd still get your hair styled or whatever. Uh, you went to your doctor and your doctor was really weird, really strange, uh, would you stop going to doctors? No, you would go find another doctor because your hair is important to you, your health is important to you. So just because you've met a weird Christian doesn't, isn't a good reason. I know you don't want to hang out with weird people, but it's not a good reason to stop following Jesus, right? Probably one of the biggest reasons people stop following is because of the Bible, you know, you went off to college and the professor convinced you that the, you know, the stuff in the Bible wasn't true, or, um, you know, you believe in the evolution and, you know, the earth's got to be older than 5,000 years, 6,000 years, um, you know, just things that couldn't, you know, Jonah and the, you know, swallowed by a whale, now that doesn't work for me, or whatever it might be. Um, can't buy Christianity because you know, that stuff's in the Bible. Well, I have to admit, the church has done a terrible job. I'll confess, I'm part of the church. A terrible job of communicating the foundation of our faith. All right. The foundation. What's, the, what's, what's most important? And let me just start off with this. It's not the Bible. And just hold in it. Don't walk out on me, okay? I love the Bible. I teach the Bible all the time. I read the Bible, study the Bible. But the Bible is not the foundation of our faith. It's something better, a lot better. It's an event, and it's the event we're celebrating today, that Jesus rose from the dead. That's the foundation of our faith. <clears throat> Besides, this, we've all had people say that if you're a Jesus follower, if you're not, we're glad that you're here. Thank you for coming. But we all had people say to us, well, it says this in the Bible, but you don't do it. You know, it says don't eat 
pork and you're eating bacon. You know, what's that deal? Oh, well, we don't pay attention to that part. Um, you know, in that part in there about women aren't supposed to cut their hair, uh, well, we don't pay any attention to that part. Uh, what about that part where women are supposed to cover their heads? Well, we don't pay any attention to that part. Well, what about where women aren't supposed to get up and speak in public? Well, we don't pay any attention to that part. Well, 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 what am I supposed to know we're supposed to pay attention to? And see, the problem is we've built the Bible as the foundation of our faith, and when we start saying we don't do that anymore, then it's like a house of cards, and the whole thing falls down. And so the foundation crumbles. Again, we've done a terrible job of communicating the foundation of our faith. Besides, if you're not a Jesus follower, or you were and you stopped, uh, that's not the reason. That might be the reason you told your parents, but that's not the reason. You just didn't want to go to church anymore, or you didn't like, you want to do things that, that, that Jesus followers shouldn't do. But just because the Bible said something you didn't agree with, it wasn't the reason. Now, let me try to explain it this way. If you show me your birth certificate and something's wrong on there, they spelt your name wrong. Or I didn't like your name. I don't like your name. It's on the birth certificate. I don't like your name. So I don't like it or it's wrong. There's an error in it. You must not exist, right? Because there's an error in it or something I don't like. By the way, you know there's millions, probably billions of people that don't have birth certificates. Does that mean they don't exist? See, the birth certificate documents something that happened. It doesn't prove that it happened or disprove that it happened. So the New Testament especially is a document of what happened. Even if it was wrong, it still happened. See, we have this concept of Christianity as being so fragile. That, you know, oh, we found a mistake in the Bible. The whole thing crumbled down. Or as we're going to see this morning, it's anything but fragile. It survived the first century when it shouldn't have. So if you were a Jesus follower and stopped, or if you've never been a Jesus follower, we'd like you to consider or reconsider being a Jesus follower. Now, I was a history major in college. I know some people don't like history, but history is interesting. It's important. It tells us about stuff that's happened. I'm going to read you a quote from a historian, because this really has a lot, to, a lot of bearing on what we're talking about this morning. Against all odds, means it shouldn't happen, right? By the third century, Christianity had become a force to be reckoned with. How did that happen? And the historians will say, we still do not really understand how this came about. It shouldn't have happened. Naturally, it shouldn't have happened. Now, historians and scientists believe in natural causes. So, you get sick or you have a pain in your body, you go to your doctor and you run some tests, and you go back in to see the doctor and you say, what's up, doc? And the doc says, "Um, I think God's trying to tell you something. Doc, what did the test say? What's wrong with me? Can we fix it? If I want to talk about God, I'll go talk to my pastor. What's the cause of my illness? Now, in history, we can do this. We can look back at the American history. You know, colonists came over here, and then we had taxation without representation, the Boston Tea Party thing, and then we fought this guerrilla war while the British soldiers were lined up, and and all of a sudden, we're, we're a free country. Effect has causes. 
but we don't know how. It's against all odds that Christianity survived, much less became a force to reckon with by the third century. So Christianity is so vital, so hardy, that nothing can stop it. So the church has done a terrible job of communicating the foundations of our faith. So we're going to try and uh, rectify that a little bit, or correct that a little bit this morning. So we're going to go back and look at the beginning. And we're going to look at here's what happened. And what happened was Jesus rose from the dead, and everybody was, by, was surprised by that. Uh, all, all Judaism was, was surprised, including the disciples, even though Jesus had told them. Everybody was surprised. They were taken by surprise. You know, this wasn't supposed to happen. No one had ever seen this happen. But it happened. So some of the Jewish leaders started looking at their Bible, the Old Testament, and they found, they discovered, hey, it's in here. How did we miss it? You know, Isaiah 53, the Messiah is supposed to suffer and die. How did we miss it? Now, we have to understand, because most of us, if not all of us, are Gentiles, meaning we're not Jewish, the Gentile mindset in the first century. Now, they believed in multiple gods, you know, like Zeus and Neptune and all those, those gods. Now, those gods weren't like the Jewish god. Those gods were not loved by the people, and they didn't claim to love the people, and they kind of played around with them, and, and uh, the people tried to just, hey, leave me alone, kind of. That was their approach to God. So that was a Gentile mindset when Jesus rose and the church spread outside of Judaism. Now, most people today know the Ten Commandments, for example, right? You don't have to be a church person to know the Ten Commandments. Back then, nobody that wasn't Jewish knew anything about God or the Ten Commandments or any of that stuff. All they knew about was Zeus and, and those things. So somebody didn't go to them and say, you know, here it is in the book. They didn't show them a book. All they had was eyewitnesses to the fact that the grave, the tomb, was empty. So Paul is a missionary, and he was sharing the gospel, the good news of Jesus, the risen Savior, uh, with Gentiles, people that didn't have any kind of church background, religious background. And so he's writing to one of these churches, and he says, okay, let me tell you what's most important. In fact, he even says that. Pass on to you what is most important. Okay, it's good, good to know what's most important, right? So here it is. Christ died for our sins. He was buried and was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the Scripture says. But there's something else, right? He was raised, and he was seen. It says he's seen by the apostles. He was seen by over 500 other people. And if somebody, 500 people came in here and said they saw something, we'd probably believe them, right? Yeah, that's a lot of eyewitnesses. So this is what's most important. So this God that, that Paul was sharing with the Gentiles, was, this, this is a God that's different than these gods. This is a God that loves you. They sent Jesus to die for you. He conquered death, and he wants to have a relationship with you. And when the Gentiles heard this, they just gobbled it up. Wow, we want to have a God like that. Who wouldn't want to have a God like that? Okay, so we accept it. We, we believe. Now what? So that was the problem. Now what? So meanwhile, back in Jerusalem, where the church, the headquarters of the church is, 
some of these uh, Jewish leaders became Jesus' followers. And since they were Jewish and Jesus was Jewish, and the only Bible they had was the Old Testament, they wanted to hitch Christianity to Judaism. All right? They, they, they have to be hitched together. And so the Gentiles that had no Jewish background, no religious background, they, they gasped at that, as we're going to look at good reasons. So we're going to look at something written in well, the book of Acts, written by Luke, and it's kind of the history of the early church. And in chapter 15, we have the first church council. And if you're kind of a Baptist background like I am, we would call this a church business meeting. Now, church business meetings are kind of interesting. Um, either they're these really boring thing where, you know, six elderly ladies sit there and some decisions are made about the church. They're either that type or there's some controversial issue where the church is packed and people show up and you don't even know their name and we're arguing about is the carpet going to be, you know, blue or red, you know. Uh, so they're really exciting or they're really boring. Well, this is the first recorded Church business meeting, it's in Acts 15, and they got together to decide this, 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 this uh, question, should Judaism be, Christianity be hitched to Judaism? That was the big question, and it was, it was pretty controversial. Now, our future hung in the balance because we are Gentiles, right? And if you're Jewish here this morning, welcome, but most of us aren't, and so I'm going to talk about the majority of us. Our future hung in the balance. So we're going to look, it's kind of a long story. We're going to skip over some of it, but it's in Acts chapter 15. So here we go. Some men from Judea, down in Jerusalem, arrived and began to teach the believers where Paul was up in Antioch. Now, Antioch was about 300 miles north. It was like a two-week trip back in those days. So these, these Jewish believers in Jerusalem made this trip to go up to Antioch, the church that Paul had started, and began to teach them. Now, what did they start teaching them? Well, unless you are circumcised, you know what circumcised is, right? As required by the law of Moses, if you were Jewish, you had to be circumcised. You cannot be saved. You cannot be a Jesus follower. You cannot <laughs> be part of us. And if I'm a Gentile, I'm thinking, okay, I've got to go see my doctor if I want to become a Jesus follower and have a very uncomfortable uh, surgery? That's what you're telling me? I don't know about this. I'm not really excited about this. Jesus, I'm excited about this. I'm not excited about. So, Paul and Barnabas weren't too excited about it either. They disagreed with them, arguing vehemently. So, you know, when church people don't get along, it's nothing new, okay? It's been happening for 2,000 years. That's okay. Finally, the church decided to send Paul and Barnabas to Jerusalem. Okay, so this is a big deal. We'll send our leaders down to Jerusalem, see if we can't get this straightened out. And some of the local believers, some of the converts, they went along, because this was important. And they went to talk to the apostles and the elders about this question. Do I have to become Jewish to be a Jesus follower? That's the question. So they arrive in Jerusalem. <clears throat> Arrive in Jerusalem, <laughs> Barnabas and Paul were welcomed by the whole church. Hey, it's great to see you guys. You're doing a great work up there, including the apostles and the elders. So the, 
the, the leaders of the church, they're happy to see him. They reported everything God had done through them. Said, yeah, we, we went and told the, the Gentiles about this Jesus, and that Jesus is alive, and they just gobbled it up. We got all kinds of converts. But now we're going to figure out what, what to do next. <clears throat> Some of the believers who belong to the sect of the Pharisees. Now, the Pharisees, if you read your New Testament, they're like the Klingons, right, in the story. They're like Darth Vader in the story. They're always the bad guys. That When they show up, they, they're going to do something bad. And so we have some of these Pharisees have gotten converted, become Jesus followers. And they stood up, and since they are the Jewish of all Jews, they insisted that the Gentiles' conversion must be circumcised and required to follow the law of Moses. So not only do I have to have this surgery, I've got to follow all these laws, all these rules. I've I got to change this. I've got to stop eating bacon. Horrible, right? I've got to do all this stuff to become a Jesus follower? So at the meeting, after a long <clears throat> discussion, Peter, now Peter's the the top guy, right? He was one of Jesus' closest followers. He, he, he was the one that got up and preached the first sermon that started the church. And so he's, he's like the, the top guy. So he's in this meeting, he stands up to talk and address the followers. And here's what he says. <clears throat> Brothers, you all know that God chose me from among you some time ago to preach to the Gentiles. So even though he was Jewish, and not just Paul and Barnabas were speaking to Gentiles. He spoke to Gentiles so they could hear the good news and believe. There's a story about five chapters earlier in Acts chapter 10 about God telling Peter, go to Cornelius' house. And Cornelius was a Gentile. And Peter says no. And God said yes. And so he goes. Gets worse. He said, I want you to eat the Gentile food. And Peter said, oh, no, 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 no. That would, that would make me unclean. I can't do that. God said, eat. So Peter ate. And so Peter has his experience with the Gentiles. So he knows God wants the good news to reach the Gentiles. And he goes on. So he's speaking to these Pharisees that are now uh, Jesus followers. Why are you now challenging God? Now, you challenge God by crucifying Jesus. You're on the wrong side of that deal, right? And, uh, you know, you, you, you've, you've come to us, you apologize to us, and we've accepted you. Uh, but you're on the wrong side of God once. You don't want to be on the wrong side again, do you? By burdening the Gentile believers with a, a heavy weight, a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors were able to bear. We haven't been able to do this Jewish thing very well <laughs> for hundreds of thousands of years. Uh, we can't keep the 600 rules. We don't even know half of them. How's that working for you? Are you really happy being, trying to follow those rules? Uh, no, it's not working. So we, meaning Jesus followers, believe that all are saved the same way, whether you're Jewish or Gentile. All saved the same way. How, how are you saved? By the undeserved grace of the Lord Jesus. It has nothing to do with 600 rules or laws, right? It's all by the undeserved grace of the Lord Jesus. Now, here's the most exciting part. James gets up to speak. Now, James is the brother of Jesus. The fascinating thing about James is <clears throat> we hear nothing about James while Jesus is alive. Nothing. Now, some of you have heard me say this before. If Jesus was your brother and he claimed to be God... Would you believe him? 
I got two brothers. No way. I, no way. I don't care what he teaches. Oh, that's a really cool teaching, but no, you're not God. I, I, you know, that was, a, that, was a, that was a miracle, or maybe it was a magic trick. I don't know, but you're not God. Now, after the resurrection, all of a sudden, James is one of the leaders of the church. How did that happen? It wasn't because of miracles. It wasn't about teaching. It's because his brother, who is crucified, is now up walking around. I didn't believe you before, but I believe you now. All right? So James is a leader in the church, and he gets up, and he says something that I think casts the greatest vision uh, of of the church, and I think our church uh, needs to have, and it's this. In my judgment, my opinion, we should not make it difficult. That means we should make it easy, right? For the Gentiles who are turning to God, these are people that are wanting to follow, we should make it easy for them. Not difficult. Certainly not 600 rules, right? Instead, instead of making it difficult, instead of all those rules, we should write and tell them. Now, what are we going to tell them? Now, this is a biggie for us because them is us, right? We're Gentiles. So it goes on. We understand that some men from here in Jerusalem have traveled up to Antioch and troubled you and upset you with teachings, but we didn't send them, okay? You know, they went off on their own and they, they taught you that we didn't send them, it wasn't with our permission, it wasn't with our blessing. First, let's get that straight. <clears throat> so, what are we going to... Oh, let me, I didn't read this next verse, sorry. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to be, lay no greater burden on you than these few requirements. Okay, so there's not going to be 600. How many is there going to be? Maybe the Ten Commandments? I mean, that'd be pretty tough, but still, it's, then it's not, the ten's on 100, 100 or 600. Are you ready for the answer? Here we go. Here's the answer. You must abstain from eating food offered to idols. Well, I don't usually worry about that when I go to the grocery store. I don't know about you. But anyway, that was one of the rules for consuming blood, meat, strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. Basically, he's saying just be sensitive to, to your Jewish brothers because, you know, they, they still want to follow these rules. Um, so just be sensitive to them. You have to get along, right? And of course, just, you know, be careful with your sexuality. Uh, what else? If you do this, you will do well. So long. Farewell. Hmm. Fascinating, right? So what do I have to do? I have to be careful uh, when I'm meeting with the, the Jews. I don't complain about their diet. And, uh, you know, just respect everybody's sexuality. Why? Because we're all saved the same way by the undeserved grace of God. So, the story goes on. We're almost finished. The message went at once to Antioch, where they called a general meeting of the believers. So then they're having their own church business meeting, right? And they delivered the letter. Now, what do you think the response was? Let's see. And there was great joy. That's an understatement. That's the next slide, by the way. Throughout the church that day, as they read this encouraging message, and that was the response. No surgery. I don't have to go see the doctor, right? Now, 
this is, this is huge because less than 10 years later, the, the Romans came in and destroyed the temple. So ancient Judaism ceased to exist. I mean, they've never had a temple since then. And if Christianity had been a hitch to Judaism, it probably wouldn't exist today. So this was a huge, huge decision that they made. And basically it boils down to this. You would do well not to offend your Jewish neighbors with your diet, and you do well to avoid sexual immorality. So, us preachers have to have something to talk about, right? So, next week I'm going to come and talk about diet, and then the next week I'm going to talk about sex, and then the next week I'm going to talk about diet, and the next week I'm going to talk about sex. Now, wait a minute. Actually, that's, not to, that's a bad idea because that's probably our two biggest problems, right? Let's be honest. Yeah, their biggest problems. How did they know that 2,000 years ago? <laughs> Pretty cool, right? What we need to understand is they had no New Testament. For 300 years, they had no New Testament. Even if they had one, most of the people couldn't read it. So what did they have? What did the church have? The church that, <laughs> against all odds, became something to be reckoned with. They had the gospel. Jesus died, buried, resurrected. So a free gift to you. And Jesus commands things that Jesus had said. People had, had remembered, written down. And the things he had commands, he had said, were unrealistic. Uh, people tended to, to, to ignore them because they didn't seem possible. The only way to be possible is if we had an extraordinary trust in God as Father. I don't believe this is possible, but you say it, so I'm going to do it. They didn't really make sense. I'll give you the one we can talk about next week. Fear not. Don't be afraid of anything. I'll tell my wife. She's back there. My wife is scared to death of mice. All right? And I was her hero this week. We had a mouse in our house, and I caught it. All right? <laughs> no, no fear of mice. Yeah, maybe I'm afraid of snakes. No fear of snakes. You know, I don't know what your fears are. Uh, no fear. Don't fear who's going to be the next president of the United States. Don't worry about, don't worry about that. You know, no fear. Not very realistic, Jesus, but that's what you tell us. I'm going to do a few more. I'll give you another one we're going to talk about. Worry not. Don't worry about anything. Be happy. <laughs> That sounds very realistic, God. Now, the fact that Christianity survived the first century and flourished by the third century, historians throw up their hands. No natural cause. But it's no mystery to us. Because there's a spiritual cause. Jesus is alive. Tomb is empty. And that changes everything. The disciples that ran away when Jesus were arrested went preaching the gospel and eventually many of them were killed. They didn't fear death anymore because we don't need to fear death. Death was conquered. Sorry about my mic here. So, the next few weeks we're going to talk about the N commandments. All the first century had was Jesus rose and Jesus said, and this is what fueled the church, and the church prospered. 
So we want to invite you to embrace the end commandments. And obviously, of course, we invite you to come back next week. Let's pray. God, it's hard for us to imagine the church without a Bible. In fact, we don't need one to be a Jesus follower. It's certainly a big help. We need the gospel. It's your life. And you sacrifice yourself for us in our place. And it's a free gift. It's a grace gift. And we need to accept it in our lives to become a Jesus follower. But that's about it. There's lots of other things we can do and should do. But that's it. That's how we cross the line. That's how we enter a relationship with you. So as I stand here this morning, I want to pray for any of you that either have never stepped across the line or you were a Jesus follower and decided for some bad reason to stop. We'd want you to reconsider or consider God's gift. Jesus is alive. And for all of us, God, this should fuel us. It should motivate us. It should encourage us. We thank you so much for the wisdom of the early church that they unhitched Christianity from Judaism. Father, I pray for this whole group. Life is tough. I don't know what's going on. I just know that Christianity, following Jesus, makes life better and makes us better at life. I don't know what else I could say to convince these folks. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And it's his resurrection that we celebrate this day and every day. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, just one more song and we'll be finished. You have your connection cards. Please let us know about where you are in your Jesus journey. Maybe you said, yeah, I once was following. I'm not following anymore. I'd love to talk to you about that. Maybe you have the good reason I've never heard. Okay? Um, if you're stepping across that line, certainly let us know. Uh, we want to celebrate that with you. We want to help you along that journey. Thank you.